Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. O-G. How you doing, everyone? Russ Salzberg here, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Once again, cops in New York City are taking some big-time heat for the killing of an unarmed black man, and I'll talk about it with community advocate Tony Herbert. Plus, who the hell does NFL Hall of Fame linebacker Ray Lewis think he is? You're going to want to get a load of this. All right, folks. It was last Wednesday afternoon. What was that? April 4th, I believe. Yeah. When, unfortunately, Saheed Vassal, a 34-year-old black man, was shot dead in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, by police. Did he have a gun? No, he didn't have a gun. So why was he killed? Well, he was brandishing a metal pipe which looked like a gun. And he was pointing it at people on the street as if it was a gun. Three witnesses, not one, not two, but three witnesses, each made 911 calls describing what was going on and each believing that the pipe was indeed a gun. So let's think about this for a moment. And moment is the operative word. The cops didn't get just one call. They didn't get just two calls. They got three calls about a man on the street pointing a gun at people. So... When you get not one, not two, but three, you know this is serious business. What happens? Cops arrive on the scene. The guy takes a shooting stance aiming at them, the cops. So they have to make, think about it. Before you want to criticize, if you are one of the people who want to criticize, they have to make a split-second decision. And 34-year-old Saheed Vassal described as bipolar, mentally ill, winds up dead. Look, if you know me, I have criticized police around the country for various incidents in which a black man had been killed. One in particular, last month in Sacramento, Stephen Clark. An an autopsy, pardon me, an an autopsy said he was shot six times in the back. But that incident is not this incident. Okay? Last week in Crown Heights is a different deal. I believe that. I believe our cops were justified in their shooting. So that's why I now want to bring in community advocate Tony Herbert. Why do I pick Tony Herbert? Because from what I know of Tony, he has 
no agenda other than to help his community. Having said that, Tony Herbert, welcome aboard. Thanks for being part of this. Hey, Russ. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so Tony, uh, Tony, Tony, you heard what I, <laughs> you heard what I had to say. Tell me how you feel about the situation. Well, I mean, it's definitely a tragedy with regards to any life loss, regardless of what the circumstances might have been. But clearly, the police were justified, and a lot of us actually came to that conclusion when we were invited to sit in a meeting with the uh, police brass and look at the videotapes and also hear some of the audio from the 911 calls. You know, I think, you know, for the most part, the failure was basically drawn upon by the community. They forgot what the terminology village was. And based on that, they didn't stop Fassel from doing what he was doing. It was like, hey, look, we know, we know this is wrong. He shouldn't do it. And unfortunately, it can get him in some trouble. But they laughed it off, you know, thinking he was just playing around and just allowed him to continue to do so. And then the unfortunate tragedy of his life being taken based on his actions that were very threatening. I mean, even to the point in one of the clips, you get to see him point this very gun-looking like uh, metal piece in the face of two kids coming home from school. That in itself had me angry. But at the end of the day, again, I blame the community for not, you know, pulling his coattail and knowing that he was, you know, they, be- they knew that he was uh, EDP. We didn't know that. The police didn't know that. So how are they to expect that when they walk up on somebody that actually takes a gun stance position and, co- and, and uses his hand like he's cocking a weapon and pointing at them? You know, the police are determined to say, hey, look, you know, I think they're trained like we're not waiting for a muscle flash to determine if you got a gun or not. And unfortunately, this is what happened. You know, Tony, you call yourself an advocate as opposed to an activist. In in your mind, what's the difference? Well, first and foremost, activists act up. Advocates do the work. Um, and I find that a lot of people are now using that terminology as an advocate without understanding what, what, what it brings about. You know, I actually have about 20 years of government experience. I worked on all levels of government, so I understand the dynamics of government and what, what the rules and regulations are that exist in our society. Culminate that with the fact of the community work that I do. So I'm advocating to get, you know, to get folks what they need and access to what they need. Activists, they go out and they rally. They protest. They act up. Um, I may act up on occasion, so I may be an activist sometimes, but mostly I'm an advocate. Well, that's the difference. Well, I mean, and that's the reason I asked you to be on, because what, what I said, from what I know about you over the years, uh, the only agenda that I know that you have, uh, you want to help your community. And, and in respect to that, when I say you want to help your community, yeah, it's by and large the African-American community, but it's the community in general, black, white, blue, green, yellow, whatever. Exactly. We're all one community, quite, quite frankly, you know, Russ. I, you know, that's how I look at it. But I do have a, you know, I do have a bit of a selfish agenda, too. No, no, w- w- without question. But, but because of the attitude, the advocacy, if you will, that you take, um, fair or not, you sometimes get some heat from your brethren, people in, in, in your own community, because you, you tell them what maybe they need to hear as right. opposed to what they want to hear. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I definitely get it. But let me qual- let me um, qualify the comment I just made with regards to me having a selfish agenda. I mean, I've actually been working as a community-involved you know, involved person, so to speak. I don't call myself a leader. In order to be a leader, you have to have people to follow you. And I don't think I have people following me. I have people that listen and, and take into consideration that which I put forward. But my selfish agenda is that I do this because I know at some point I'm going to leave this planet. And when I leave, it's my intention and my goal 
to be able to get to the pearly gates so I can see my mother again. And that's why I do what I do, so that when I go before my maker and he says, job well done, you can go ahead and, and, and ignore any of the transgressions or stupidity I might have done in the past. That's why I do it. Okay, you mentioned that the village failed. That's kind of a good way of putting it, and more closer to home. And I hate saying this because it's the family, and as you opened up by saying it, it's a tragedy when any life is lost. Exactly. But having said that, his immediate family, you know, I mean, if they knew... I hate to say this, if they knew he had the problems, the mentally ill problems he had, and, you know, it sounds like he, he did stuff like this in the past, they didn't do their due diligence paying attention to him and keeping an, an eye on him. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's a failure across the board. And truth be told, you know, this city, the city of New York, has failed the mentally ill in our society. You know, because here it is, we're talking about putting up $10 billion jails, but we're not building any, um, you know, mental health facilities. We're not putting any kind of programming in our schools so that we can give our young people some proper guidance so they don't put themselves in a position of looking at the street as an alternative for survival. So if we're not doing that, then this is the end result. We're going to have more unfortunate vassals out here, Saeed vassals, that's going to wind up in front of a gun because of their activity and their actions, because mentally they're not wrapped tight, because no one gave them the resources to be so. Well, if that is indeed the case... In fairness to the cops, that makes their job that much more difficult, does it not? Oh, it does. And, and, and I commend the police department we have out here. You know, the sad part that, we, that we're involved with is that we wind up getting, every time something happens in a state where a police-involved shooting takes place and a black male is killed, it opens up the old wounds here because everybody wants to come to the city that never sleeps, and they want to use this as the, the quote-unquote, the, the uh, the step-off stage, if you want to call it that, where they can go out there and do their protesting and know that they're going to get media attention. So they bring all that craziness here. They inundate out, you know, us as taxpayers because they're out here rallying and protesting because of something that might have happened in Michigan or some other place. And unfortunately, again, it opens here that puts us in a bit of a quagmire. Well, I, 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 it's never fair to, you know, I guess... It's common sense to say every situation is different. And, and I certainly, listen, I, I understand the, the black community, for lack of a better term, being pissed off because there have been too many incidents where they the actions don't look justified. Right. But, but that doesn't mean it's all incidents. And, and, you know, this is one of those, like, for, for example... Uh, I, I, was it Sunday night? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but... but um, Al Sharpton was there with um, the the Vassal family and, um, you know, complaining, where's the video? And you, you talk about agitation, where's the video? And, and then the question was brought up, well, how come they didn't use tasers? Which yeah. I thought was ironic because I what, what was it just yesterday in Louisville, a man was killed with a screwdriver and uh, he happened to be a white man. He was tased. He, he, he was tased, and the tasers did didn't nothing. work. Yeah, they did nothing. And then you can't, I liken it to the thought process, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. I'm sorry. 
if they're say, if people are calling and women and this one woman really hurt my heart to hear how traumatized she was and that she was so afraid that the guy actually walked past her and then he was coming back and she didn't know what to do and she started panicking and you can hear the nine one one operator saying to her calm down calm down that means she was tra- she was traumatized right and and that was you know that in itself spoke to the thought process that what are these cops supposed to think when they fall upon this scene are they going to go home to their kids and their wife. If they stand there and try to figure out and ask this guy, hey, is that gun that you got real over there? No. Come on. That's, that's, I mean, majority of anybody would have taken that position, and I challenge a lot of people in my community, particularly, to actually participate in the um, gun simulator that they have in the police academy, where we're bringing that in the community and putting people in a position to have to be a police officer in that moment, right. in this simulator, and understand what goes into making those decisions when you have to say that you want to protect your life. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, when I saw the incident, and again, I, I, like I, as I said, every incident is different, but when I saw the incident um, in Louisville, and uh, believe me, these cops tried to get the guy to stop, I, I mean, several times, they tased him, and then he came at the cops, came at them with the screwdriver, and something struck me, and it's something that you just said. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, you know what? You did all that w- with the screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, when they say somebody was unarmed, well, it, you know, if the guy has a knife or he's coming at you with a screwdriver or, or a lead pipe or something, I wouldn't call that unarmed either. Yeah. yeah. White, black, blue, or green. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But, again, okay, so you agree with me on this, but here's here's the big question. I believe, and, and, you know, to me that's what's wrong with this country because Democrats and and Republicans don't get along, liberals and conservatives, you know, it's on and on. And here's, to me, if the communities are going to heal and they're going to work together, the communities, the black community needs the cops and the cops need to get along with them. But but to me, it's not even the cops. It's the people, some of the people who support the cops, they 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 think if somebody is, is protesting something or somebody's complaining, right away it's anti-cop. That's not fair. And then the cops, you know, go the other way, you know, and they don't think that's fair. It, it, isn't that, it, it's kind of like almost a catch-22 with people? It, 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 Catch twenty two, but what you also got to understand too, there's a history with the African American community and policing. You know, going back to the sixties, and and unfortunately, we can't get from under that cloud, for, you know, to some degree. And then you have individuals who don the uniform, who who actually, you know, are come onto this uniform with their own prejudicial uh, means and thoughts, and that creates a bit of the problem because if you got folks on there that don't like a particular group of people because of what their complexion is or color is or race is, that actually stigmatizes the entire police force. And sadly enough, I know that there are a lot of police officers that go out here to do their job and they're fair-minded and and they don't see color. They just want to do their job. And unfortunately, it's when those who do have these these grudges or these quote unquote prejudicial you know thought processes that creates a bit of a problem, and that's what the black community is upset about. And I guess you know when it's all said and done, we we do have to deal with that. And sadly enough, if you have folks that don't understand the community, they come in the community, they're upset, and they're making comments like, "Oh, these people, they need to appreciate what they have," or don't right. you know? I mean, all kind of comments are made, and it really fuels the fire and. Again, it doesn't help 
when these kind of situations take place in other states. Unfortunately, like I said, it opens up the old wounds of what had happened here, and then all of a sudden everybody's all riled up again. Yeah, as you say, they, they become agitated. Uh, let me ask you this. if you Like, to me, it's a tough spot to be in if you're a black policeman. Right. I, I, I mean, to me, they're under... Unfair, what I call it, unfair pressure, because they got to do their jobs. They wanted to be cops just like anybody else and do their jobs and protect the community. And, you know, sometimes they get heat from their own community. And that, to me, has got to be, number one, it's unfair and, and really heavy, heavy pressure, is it not? Well, there's a fraternal commitment and a community commitment, and that's, that's what people don't understand. And sadly enough, you know, we understand that dynamic. If, you, if you're not one of us, you're one of them, and vice versa. So they are caught in, in, they are caught in a grip. Um, but I do want to say this that there is a sense of responsibility for anybody in any city agency where taxpayers are paying the money, that if, in fact, that they know of anybody doing anything illegal, that they should come forward. And, and if they can't come forward directly, find some means to get that information out so that the situation, or whatever it might be, could be very well stamped out, you know, thus creating an opportunity for us to have better relationships. I like what this commissioner is doing. I like the community policing that they're doing. Do they have more work to do? Yes, because I think what's happening is in their efforts to really try to build with the community, they are interacting with individuals who really just don't want to see us come together because they benefit from this financially. The agitators come in our society or in our communities and do all the stupidity. And then you've got quasi-social activists that are out here who are actually doing this so they can get paid. I mean, I don't have to say any names, but there yeah. are folks who do it, and that's a bit of a problem because they look for ways of keeping the flame going so that they can make money, and that creates a problem by misleading minorities in our city. Well, um, Tony Herbert, that's exactly why I asked you to come on uh, when, I, when I called you to set this up. I, I mean, and I told you right from the get-go, your, your biggest thing on your resume is your only agenda is the agenda to help your community, and, and uh, you're not looking to line your pockets. You're not look, at you, all. You're looking I don't get to paid line for the com- I know, I know <laughs> that you're looking to line the community's pockets. So uh, w- w- with you know a better way of life. I, I thank you for being on. Thank you, Russ. I uh, it. Continued uh, success in your efforts, and I hope to speak to you again, Tony. I'm sure we will. Thank you. I appreciate it. All, all right, my friend. Okay, thank keep you. Well, all right. All right. Like I said, folks, the only reason I had Tony Herbert on, uh, you know, from I've known him for a while now, but I remember watching him from afar. Like his only agenda is the agenda of helping his community. And um, you know, I was glad. Uh, I, listen, I didn't know if he was going to agree with me, but I, I think this is certainly one incident incident where the cops were justified, and I am glad he felt that way. I mean, I mean we just have to use common sense. You know, it, it sounds like the same old crap. Can't we all just get along? But quite frankly, we have to, as a community, try harder to get along. And it's not, I, I'm not talking about the community of New York City, even though that's what I'm talking about now, but <laughs> let's spread it out in the country. Left, right, blue, green, uh, Republican, Democrat, liberal, uh, conservative, nobody gets along. And then you get in colors and everything else. Nobody gets along. And that's what we have to work on doing. But it's very important for people to understand the cops and for the cops to understand the people. Uh, Having said that, 
What I don't understand is what the hell NFL Hall of Fame famer Ray Lewis was thinking about. I mean, this guy had to be nuts. In a rambling interview the other day, Lewis, the former great linebacker that he is, said that the trouble with Giants wide receiver Oldo Beckham Jr. is that he's removed God from his life. Really, Mr. Lewis? I mean, I, folks, for lack of a better term, I figure Ray Lewis must have a lot of trouble walking because his balls have to be so big, he's got to trip over them every time he takes a damn step. And I'm not trying to be funny here. I mean, really? Talk about get a load of this. I wonder where God was in Ray Lewis's life back in 2000. I don't know if you remember, but back in 2000, Ray pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice in the stabbing deaths. You hear what I'm telling you? Stabbing deaths of two men in in Atlanta uh, that happened during Super Bowl week. I wonder if it happened to be God who made Ray's bloody suit disappear, never to be found again. Now, listen, I don't use foul language just for the sake of using it on the air. But Ray Lewis is so full of shit, he's got to be choking on it. I mean, the balls on this guy. During the trial back in 2000, Lewis's lawyers, they worked out a deal with the murder charges being dropped. Okay? The murder charges were dropped in exchange for testimony against his two buddies. Lewis admitted giving misleading information. He got 12 months probation. Then, oh, by the way, folks, four years later, the Honorable Mr. Ray Lewis, he reached financial settlements with the families of the two slain victims. Now, if you didn't reach, if you were innocent, what the hell are you reaching financial settlements for? What was that charity, good-natured Ray Lewis. And then there's this. How about this one? When Lewis was told, um, like four years later or something, well, he told you about the settlements. When he was told that the families of the victims had trouble seeing him idolized by millions of fans, this was his bullshit reply i quote god has never made a mistake that's who he is you see to the family if you knew if you really knew the way god works he didn't use people who commits anything like that for his glory oh that's right god in his leisure time was reading a newspaper and said by golly ray lewis is the guy i want representing me That's the son of a gun I want representing me. What a fine gentleman. The perfect guy. Now, let me tell you something. You heard me here in the past. Criticize Odell Beckham Jr. I I criticize him for being a knucklehead. I criticize him for he needs to be smarter. Uh, He needs to not be caught up in the celebrity. Okay. And, And, you know, be caught on videos and this and that. But 
you know what? Ray Lewis, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., he never was involved in a murder situation. No, 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 no. And Ray Lewis has the balls to question the people, the people, not just the God situation, but he's questioning the people that Odell Beckham Jr. hangs out with. Ray, there was blood found in your limo, you moron. The guys you were hanging out with, the three of you, were going up for murder. You made a deal. And you, you're talking about this, but you, you know where the problem lies here, folks? This is the problem. For lack of, and no pun intended, some of these guys think they can get away with murder. Because they're so big and a hero worship becomes involved. Think about this for a second. Ray Lewis, I, I mean... He got in trouble. He subsequently went on, wins a Super Bowl, uh, big money. Uh, Baltimore Raven fans love him, uh, yada, 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 all that business. Then he, he retires, okay? And he gets a job in TV on ESPN. Most recently, he's a, he gets a job on Inside the NFL on Showtime. So what's he saying to himself? Hey, baby. I beat the system. I got away with it, and everybody loves me. That's the problem here. Let's think about this crap. You had people like Ray Ray Rice. Now, listen, I am not condoning anything that happened to Ray Rice. He got what he deserved. And I'm not condoning anybody who, who smacks around a woman, okay? That garbage can't, that's, that stuff's got to stop. But think about that. This guy was involved in a murder. He got a 12-month probation from uh, the judicial system. And he got a $250,000 fine from the NFL. He didn't lose his career. And this guy's got, again, the balls to go ahead and attack Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, I have heard of stupidity, but that, I, I just about, when I heard that the first time, I, I was flipping through stuff the other night, and I looked at it, I said, no, I can't. this was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And Ray Lewis ought to be taken to task like nobody's business. Tawed and feathered, as far as I'm concerned, because that is the most moronic imbecilic i mean it's crazy a lot of us have criticized odo beckham jr and he deserved the criticism you know chris carter uh, chris carter hall of famer wide receiver he criticized odo beckham jr now when you think about it i have no problem you know because i'm i criticize odo beckham jr but you know, Chris Carter is the same guy who spoke to NFL rookies saying, you got to make sure you have a posse and somebody willing to take the heat when you get in trouble. That went over really well, too. I mean, hello, knuckleheads, what are you thinking about? But but Ray Lewis, I, I'll tell you, that tops it. A guy, yeah, I wonder if God made his, 
you know, that bloody suit disappear. Never to be found again. All about hero worship. And that brings me to another issue about hero worship. Last Saturday night, I don't know if you folks watched it. I was home watching Paterno. You know, the HB movie on legendary Joe Pa, Penn State football coach Joe Paterno, who unfortunately his career ended in disgrace, if you recall the Jerry Sandusky sexual abuse scandal. Now, just in case any of you are not familiar with the story, Paterno's longtime assistant, Jerry Sandusky, was charged with 52 You hear what I'm saying? 52 counts of sexual abuse of young boys over a 15-year period that we know of from 1994 to 2009. I mean, we're talking, folks, ugliness. We're talking oral sex, anal sex. This guy, Sandusky, is a lowlife of the lowest variety, an absolute monster. Okay? He's in prison, and he's going to die in prison. But an investigation subsequently cost the jobs of the Penn State president, the Penn State athletic director, and Joe Pa, Joe Paterno. And, you know, why? Because basically the investigation proved or or showed that um, Paterno and the president and the athletic director had knowledge of the abuse of some sort, but Sandusky was still there. So they didn't act on it. And we can discuss what they should have acted on in a, in a second. But So this is what I tweeted out following the movie. Just watched Paterno. HBO did a great job, but the story is absolutely, absolutely sickening. What is also sickening is people blindly believing what they want to believe. Hero worship can be a very scary thing and very disturbing. Well, let me tell you something. No sooner was the ink dry on that tweet, the yahoos started coming at me left, right, and center. I mean, you should have seen some of the cockeyed, twisted responses I got from people, uh, you know, calling themselves Penn State supporters. The media is to blame for pushing the story as truth with zero evidence. People blindly believing a movie that isn't based largely on fact. Another nutjob accused me of spewing unsubstantiated lies. Okay? One of these people tweeting, I checked out. She described herself as this. A Christian follower, Penn State proud, mom of two, and a teacher. Mazel tov, a teacher. Penn State proud. Unsubstantiated? You're calling this crap unsubstantiated? You're a mom of two? Well, I hope to God. I Because I would never, ever wish this on anybody. I would hope to God that your child is never sexually abused and have to suffer through anal rape. Okay? What kind of cockeyed views do you take because because this happened? Because 
the great Joe Paterno lost his job. And, and you know, here was here's what the deal was. Some of the discussion was, well, Joe Paterno reported it to who he should have reported it to uh, at the school. But that was it. Well, you folks think that's enough? Let me tell you something. I'm looking at my producer I like very much, okay? If somebody comes to me and tells me he's performing anal rape on young boys, I got to tell you, he's losing his job. (laughs) He's not working with me. And I'm not reporting it. He's laughing now. He wouldn't be laughing if he lost his job. You know, it's funny, but it's not funny. And here's here's where people, some of this hero worship bullshit from from Penn State, the responses I'm getting. Well, he he met his statutory responsibilities. How about his moral responsibilities? I'm serious about this. Like to me, if something like this happened, if something like this happened, not if it did happen, what what would? What should, if people are asking me, what should Joe Paterno have done? This is what he should have done. If if he and the staff found this out, this is what they should have done right back then. If you wanted to cut the guy some slack, which to me, he didn't deserve slack. But if you wanted to, if you wanted to keep it quiet and not have a a big uh, controversy and scandal in the school, if you wanted to save face, if you will. Not that there could ever be saving face for the people, the young boys who were abused. But if you wanted to save face, this is what what I would have done if I was Joe Paterno. I say to the brass, all right, listen to me. I want this guy off the program now. I want him off my staff immediately. I bring Jerry Sandusky in. I sit him down, look him in the eye and say, Jerry, this is the deal. This is the facts. You need to go away. We're not going to make it public. You need to go away. If this is what Penn State wanted to do, that was it. If, if they wanted to even cut this low-rent monster crap, we want you to go and, and make sure that the school and there's no controversy and nobody knows, we want you to go away immediately, get lost, can't be here, Say whatever you want to say. Say you want to retire. Say you want to seek uh, other advances in your life. Whatever. But you got to get out of here. But they didn't do that. And you should have seen. I mean, you know, I'm watching the people. They show you in the movie people rioting over Paterno being fired. And, you know, in, in my mind, I'm saying, geez, it's pretty heavy stuff and disturbing. But then I got the reaction from a tweet that I made. And I'm getting a similar reaction. It's like I'm making unsubstantiated what's proven. You're worried about Joe Paterno. You're not worried about the kids, are you? We're talking about anal rape. For young boys. And I got to deal with morons worried about Joe Paterno's legacy. 
I'm sorry. When it comes to that, that's it. That is enough is enough is enough. But I'll tell you, between this garbage with the paternal reaction and Ray Lewis, whoo, this has been a week for knuckleheads. I am telling you that. And like I said, this is one of those those days where get a load of this really applied. Because this, to me, bordered on pure insanity. On pure insanity. But having said that, we'll see what the insanity or maybe we'll get back to some sanity next week. Right now, though, that's going to be a wrap on this week. I want to thank my producer, as always, Mike Coscarelli. And no, you know, I, I know I don't have to worry about you, so I don't have to ever think about saying goodbye to you because you cover my back like nobody does. So I thank uh, Mike Coscarelli. I thank uh, our program director at 77 ABC, uh, Craig Schwab, uh, the OG Podcast Network, um, WABC Radio, all of you people in particular for listening. I hope you continue to doing so. We've been getting a good response to get a load of this. I want it to continue. And... uh, you know, above all, to keep you people being part of it. Again, uh, let me know how you feel. You can reach me at Russ Salzberg on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me on Facebook. You can check out my uh, website at russsalzberg.com. But again, I'm talking about Get a Load of This, but I need you people to be part of Get a Load of This. So keep on listening. And until next time, it is yours truly, Russ Salzberg saying bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.